Hey, hi everybody, this is Toe Pickford from the Health Army and this is the Creative War Room where we talk about the battles we have day in, day out to get really great work up or do we really need to have them? So today we have a Twitter rock star in the health comms and advertising industry. He's uh, the one and only Ryan Wallman, uh, Aka, uh Dr. Draper. Welcome to the Creative War Room, Ryan. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Toe. Uh. <laughs> Are we ready for combat? Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> At this hour in the morning. I guess, I guess so. <laughs> sure. So you're, you're the uh, CD of uh, or Executive Credit Director, is that right? Wellmark? Uh, well, you've just inflated my title there, but yeah, no, CD uh, and Head of Copy, yeah, at Wellmark. Oh, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's know, great. Which, which is probably quite a lot of people. Um, yeah, we're an independent uh, Melbourne-based creative agency and we specialise in healthcare, so... How long um, have you been doing that? <laughs> Too long. <laughs> every time every time one of those LinkedIn anniversaries comes up, it scares me. Um, so, yeah, 15 years. I've been at Wellmark for 15 years or a bit over. Um, having started out there as, you know, as a junior medical writer and uh, mm. gradually sort of changed my, my role and my um, title over time. But, yeah, it's been a long time. That's fantastic. I mean, you know what? Sometimes I think, you know, people go, oh, they've been there too long. I don't know. I was, I was at Ogilvy for uh, many years. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you just go through changes. And each change, is, I guess, is a, it's like a new, a new beginning. So I don't know if you've had quite a few changes there or not. Yeah, well, I mean, that's exactly right. And I think that's probably what has um, kept me interested and um, allowed me to stay in, you know, in one place for so long. Because, you know, as I say, when I started out, I was a junior medical writer and, mm. and at that stage, a fairly technical medical writer um, because of the okay. fact that I'd come from a healthcare background and, uh, you know, a lot of the work that I was doing, I mean, you know all too well, pharma sales aids and the kind of stuff that uh, really relies on having some kind of background healthcare knowledge and um, and so uh, that's how it started out and then over time I sort of gradually got more into the, the creative side of things and um, conceptual copywriting and so on and then and then sort of after that more into the creative direction role so yeah I've been pretty lucky in in many ways I think because I think really the creative side of it is is my forte and probably what I most enjoy so um, yeah so yeah I was lucky to sort of have that entree to to be able to get into the industry but but now I've ended up in that's a excellent role so yeah yeah I noticed that obviously you know for, for people out there you, you're on your twitter handle you got doctor you know you you were a doctor right you that was that was <laughs> I your... was yeah, yeah it all, yeah, or I, you still are it feels or feels like well I, I technically yeah I mean I haven't been disbarred but um yeah, it does feel. I feel a, a bit like an imposter using the, the, the doctor uh, nominal now, but but yes, I was a doctor. Uh, you know, in a formal life, um, worked yeah. in. Well, I worked in psychiatry mainly um, for I think for about five years after I after I graduated and went through my internship and all that stuff. Um, yeah, and it just you know. <laughs> It was probably a mistake to go into medicine in hindsight, um, but I think in some ways it was probably uh, fortuitous in that you know I, it gave me a, a way into uh, the specialisation of healthcare comms. Um, so so yeah, it's, look, at, I, I certainly don't regret doing medicine. Um, That's but great. Yeah, it was an awful, it's a fuckload of study for to, to, to get to this point. <laughs> so yeah. 
So you're psych psychiatry. So were you? Were, did you become a fully fledged sort of psychiatrist? Were you kind of like dealing with, you know, people's mental health problems, or, or was that you just you you reached that point and you thought, oh no, this is not really for me. Um, somewhere in between those two. So so I was uh-huh. never a consultant psychiatrist. Um, right. But I I got part way through my my psychiatric training. Uh, so, yeah, so after I finished my medical residency and so on, I went into, well, I actually went to the UK and, and um, worked in psychiatry as what they call a staff grade for a couple of years, mm-hmm. um, which means, you know, you, you are, a, you're working as a psychiatric doctor, uh, you just don't sort of have final say, so you're still working for a consultant. Um, and then came back to, to Perth and um, started my training in psychiatry and I did that for a couple of years. Uh, and then for various reasons decided to get out of it. But to answer your question, um, you know, about whether the, the kind of work I was doing, I mean, yeah, I was, I was working with some of the most unwell people you will ever meet, uh, and particularly in public psychiatry. You know, you, you work with a lot of people with, um, with chronic schizophrenia and, and multiple kind of comorbid medical problems and so on. So, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty serious stuff. Um, wow. Yeah, and I kind of... I, I, to, at times, I, I do miss the patient contact that was part of that job, um, and and also miss the you know I guess the mental stimulation of, of working in psychiatry. But um, but yeah, there are certainly a lot of aspects of it that I do not miss. So yeah. Yeah, I, I guess you know listening to that, I mean, I, I would have said that you would. You, know, you over those years, you would build a lot of empathy in that space. You know, understanding people. And, you know, understanding how the mind works. And I think, you know, those two things are super important when it comes to the jobs that we do. So did you find that a big, you know, a massive help or, or kind of like a leg up as you moved into the comms industry? Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, I, th- I think I've, I've made the point before that I think empathy is probably the most important part of being a copywriter. Um, mm. and so, yes, I think that was a big part of it. So it wasn't just my, my technical medical knowledge that kind of gave me an advantage in, you know, in being a medical writer, but it was also, also that empathy and, and, and kind of under an understanding of psychology obviously helped, you know, once I started to get into, um, the principles of consumer psychology and that kind of thing. I mean, obviously there are, you know, there are differences, but, uh, there are also a lot of. Uh, a lot of those principles that I did carry over from from psych. So yeah, I think so. That's fant- that's fantastic. So what what sort of drew you? I mean, I, I know obviously people who have a fascination for the for the human mind and how things work. You know, it's not a massive leap into this this space. But what sort of got you into this into this area? I mean, what what sort of like drew you to be like? Oh, I really want to be a medical writer. Mm, mm, yeah, well, I don't know that I, I necessarily had a passion to be a medical writer per se. <laughs> uh, but I did definitely have, uh, you know, I'd always loved writing. So, so I think my natural inclination, even before, you know, even when I was still um, working in medicine, was that I really enjoyed all of the aspects of medicine that involve writing, like even, you know, even writing patient summaries and so on. I actually enjoyed that part of it, whereas, you know, a lot of doctors fucking hate it and it's just, yeah. you know, it's a burden. And so my... When I kind of made the decision that I wanted to move on from medicine, um, writing was the obvious choice for me, and so I went and did mm-hmm. a graduate certificate in medical in, in professional writing, um, and 
And then it really became more of a matter of, you know, practically speaking, where can I go? You know, how am I going to be able to get a job in <laughs> as a writer? And the obvious answer really was to, to see if there was, you know, such a thing as medical writing. And, and to be honest, at that stage, I wasn't even sure what that in, would involve. Um, but uh, did a bit of Googling and ended up sort of finding... Um, well, there are a few jobs as, you know, in medical writing's obviously, it's a very broad field. Yeah. And that's what I first found, that, it, you know, it really ranges from healthcare journalism, you know, right through to, to, you know, pharmaceutical writing. And that's kind of what I landed on and ended up applying for, for this writer job at Wellmark. Um, and, yeah, kind of, it became obvious to me that I think the <coughs> pharmaceutical marketing and uh, creative um, you know, commercial creative side of writing was what I was drawn to. Mm. Uh, and so that's where I ended up, which was, yeah, again, it was quite fortuitous, really. So that, that, that's incredible because, I mean, I know, I mean, I know quite a few, obviously, um, writers in, in the space who've got PhDs, et cetera, et cetera, but mm. I don't really know any, I've, I've never known anybody who's sort of like been a practicing, you know, doctor. So it's, it's great. So, you, in the, when you were sort of in that field or transitioning, did did you see any kind of like I'm talking about advertising at the moment, not 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 sort of general, sort of the experiential sort of stuff, but say advertising? Um, did you sort of see any of that and go, oh, that's that's cool, or did you say, ah, oh, geez, that's a lot of shit. <laughs> what are they trying to do? I could do better than that. Well, uh, yeah, look, that's a really good question. I I do remember obviously seeing you know farmer advertising and stuff in in medical journals. Uh, and I definitely was more in the latter camp <laughs> from what you described there. Um, <laughs> certainly my, my memory of it was that it was very cliched and, you know, pretty schmaltzy. Uh, there was a real kind of, and I don't want to sound, this to sound too pejorative, but there was a very American feel to a lot of it. And I think probably, <laughs> probably right. that's because a lot of it was global advertising campaigns that had come from America. Um, and I think I probably continued to, to feel that way about most farmer advertising even after I had transitioned into medical writing because a lot of the stuff that we saw was like that. It was, you know, it was pretty mm -hmm. generic and pretty cliched and, you know, you, you would know this all too well. Um, yes, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, and I think when you're on the other side of it, again, it's almost what, what Dave Trott describes as being like wallpaper. You know, you almost don't notice it after a while as a doctor mm. because it's just sort of you know there <laughs> and nothing yeah that that's that's a worry isn't it mm. yeah when yeah. you spend all that money i mean i mean an, an ad placement i don't know how much it is these days probably at eight eight grand or seven grand or you know up to ten grand some of these some of these um ones so you know if you're paying that money and for them just to not even bother with it uh, or just flick over. I'm just thinking, what a wa what a waste. Yeah, and it really just becomes, you know, a brand reminder. <laughs> you know, you see the logo, and, you, and there's sort of a, you know, an image of smiling, happy people on a beach, and that's pretty much it. And that really yeah. was what I remember of the first few years when I joined Wellmark as well. But I think the, you know, I think the great thing is that I don't think we can say that now. I think that's demonstrably untrue. That that um, that that's emblematic of, of pharmaceutical advertising because I think mm. there has been such a leap creatively um, in the last few years. Obviously, the, you know, there's still a lot of that kind of advertising around and there probably always will be. Um, 
but there's also, you know, I think there's been this real renaissance in some ways, um, and mm. we see so much good work as well, or, or at least I suppose when you're in the industry, you see a lot of the good work. I don't know how much <laughs> kind of makes it out into the real world, um, yeah. of, you know, of doctors' lives, but yeah, do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I do, I do. I still think, like you said, I still think there is there is that there is that genericized, um, you know, homogenized kind of advertising that's out there. I mean, we're, we're just again we're talking that sort of this one channel at the moment. I mean, still, you know, and it's it's quite funny how um, they do use sort of as you said, it's very very American. And, and sorry to our American friends who, who may be listening, but <laughs> yes, uh, to, uh, you know, and, and that's that's important because it. it I guess it loses its authenticity. You know, you, you, mm. you don't believe in it when it's when it's doesn't really reflect our, you know, culture. And that's a yeah. very multicultural environment, must add. Um, but it, no doctor here walks around in a bloody white coat with a stethoscope mm, around. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then we still got this happening, and you know, and it's a, and it becomes detriment. I think. Do you do you agree? Oh, definitely. I mean, it's kind of a, it becomes a bit of a a, a rate limiting factor when you, mm. you're sort of immediately alienated by it. I think, and and I, I mean that's nothing against obviously the necessarily the creative itself. It's just that as you say, it's 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 hard to relate to, um, and and it, it's not even necessarily the the types of people that are that are represented or anything like that. It's it's almost it's the style. There's a, there's a real, yeah. sort of particularly with photography, there's a real photographic style that I think almost <laughs> yeah, just strikes you as, as being a bit alien or a bit unfamiliar to, to us. Um, but catalogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite stock kind of you know, style. Yeah. Um, but, and that's why you know, a lot of the time, and, and you've probably, I'm sure, been through this as well, is that, is that often we will try to, to fight for... Um, for using local campaigns or at least adapting those global campaigns to, to the local market. Um, yeah, and totally. And it becomes, obviously it becomes a, you know, a question of, of, of cost efficiency and so on. But um, you know, I, think, I think there is a real opportunity cost to having a, a global um, generic campaign that, that isn't tailored to the local markets. Yeah. Yeah, no, no I, 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 totally, I totally agree. So, so beyond sort of like, print when I'm just sort of sitting in that mm. area where you were sort of like a you know a sort of transitioning area um beyond beyond print was there anything that sort of like struck you because obviously there's there's multiple channels out there now mm. and you know doctors are are humans obviously they're, yeah. they're not robots um as you said they they kind of flick through a, a magazine maybe they might stop on a, on a, on an ad if it strikes them but uh, there is other things out there. There is experiential sort of uh, work out there. There's videos. I mean, was there anything that, that sort of struck you um, then? Or or do you, and also there's two parts of the question, is anything struck you, struck you then? Or And do you think these days that kind of work is, is more, is, is uh, going to have more impact rather than just, just print? Yeah, well, look. To be honest, I don't really remember anything from from back then. But as you say, print really was the dominant medium, you know, mm. when I was working as a doctor. Um, I mean, even at that stage, even digital journals were in their infancy. Um, so, so print really was kind of where you know that's most of what I saw. I don't really remember anything 
um, experiential or, or even much video. Uh, and, and of course, as you know, the regulations here are pretty different from, from the States, for example. So I never yeah. really saw any of the, the consumer campaigns either <laughs> uh, because, because, of course, you know, we can only have disease awareness campaigns here rather than yeah. um, product branded. Um, but obviously, but since I've been in the industry, then obviously I've seen a lot more of it. Um, and, and you're right, you know, a lot of the work uh, that really stands out is not necessarily the print stuff or, or, or the static um, creative. Um, you know, I look, just as a recent example, one of the things that, I, that really stood out to me, um, which you'll prob- you probably know this campaign, is the Breaking Depression campaign that was done by... Mm-hmm. Um, Khalid Latif and I think I think when he was at his previous joint because <laughs> uh, a couple of years ago did do you have you seen that one yeah yeah I do, do remember yeah. that that one there yeah and it, it, it had was it all part of the uh, conference and it was sort of multifaceted was that right yeah and and very much yeah as you say very much multi-channel you know it was based yeah around, uh, well it was based around this idea of the of Kintsugi, I think it's called. They, Kintsugi, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it it, it was uh, yeah, fixing and, and gold, with gold. That's right. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's beautiful. But yeah, oh, I really agree. Based oh, around, lovely. Yeah, it's great. Um, but based around, you know, all based around this artist who who had um, who had done this, and she'd been through depression herself, and she was talking about the stories of, of various different people with depression, and how that. Was you know the metaphor for it was this kintsugi, um, but yeah, and again it was you know it was really based around a video campaign predominantly, and then sort of multi-channel out from that. Um, but yeah, just a really nice um, way of of representing something that otherwise could have been fairly you know again could have been fairly generic. Uh, you yeah. know, I certainly don't remember. I don't remember anything like that <laughs> when I was working as a doctor. So. So as a, as a so if you were put yourself back in your doctor's shoes, I know it's pretty it's pretty you know it's, it's tough because it's been quite a few years. Would that yeah. type of thing engage you? I mean, uh, you know, would that? I mean, what was it about that campaign? We're talking about great work, and that was great work, and it got awarded and, and deservedly so. Um, what was it about that that sort of would attract, you know, the medical uh, fraternity? You think? Uh, well, I think, as I say, the, the fact that it was is so different from what you generally see, you know, mm-hmm. in this space, and also the fact that it, you know, it really has that human truth to it, um, and and I, and I think the and also the fact that it's you know it's been represented in an artistic way, and one of the things that my a colleague and I talk about quite often. So, my colleague Candace O'Sullivan is also a former doctor. Um, she she got out sort of a year before I did, um, but we remain sort of connected to the medical community in in some ways. And one of the um, one of the Facebook groups that we're part of is called Creative Careers Careers in Medicine. Um, wow! And it's really grown into quite a thriving little online community. Um, and so it's sort of you know it's predominantly people who st- who are still working in medicine and are still doctors. Um, but they are looking to for more creative outlets, basically. You know, some of them are looking to actually move into creative fields. Some of them are, are, are just, you know, interested in what other creative opportunities there are within medicine um, or or outside medicine. And and the thing that has really struck us is just how many people in medicine have this kind of creative um, need, a need for for a creative outlet. 
Uh, and so I think that's the other thing, is that a lot of medical people are actually quite creative. You know, a lot of them are, are, are musicians and artists sort of, you know, beyond their, their medical careers. And so I think mm-hmm. when they see something really creative, it, it, stri- it really, you know, strikes them um, and, and sort of gets to what they're all about. So, so, yeah, I think sometimes we can make assumptions about doctors and, you know, sort of assume that they're very left brain for want of a better word. Um, you know, and literal and so on, and, and sort of responsive to, to rational messaging. And I think that's the mistake that can be often made with, you know, with healthcare advertising. That's, that's a brilliant point, Ryan. And uh, I, I, I just want to sort of, let's, let's pause on that because that's, that's the big issue. I'm not saying all marketers, pharma marketers out there, and if you're listening, hope so. Um, you know, that's the big problem. They, they all think, you know, oh, doctors won't understand this. Doctors won't see this. And not just marketers by um, mind. You know, it's, it's really, you know, it's internal as well, like within the agency. I think we've got this very much black and white view of, of um, doctors, healthcare professionals out there, because you're right, they're artists, they play music, they're into rock or whatever, you know, it, it, uh, rap, um, you know, they paint, uh, they create, they write books, they're human people. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's so weird when we're dealing with something that's, 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 you know, ultimately a human truth and something that wants, you want to, you know, get them to do something. Um, and we're dealing with very much a human area with with healthcare. It it makes sense to sort of tap into that, doesn't it? It makes sense to sort of really get underneath that, the skin of that. Yeah, it really does, and it, you know, it does it does seem like a bit of a cliche to say that you know it, that it, all of these people are human and um, and they will respond to emotive messaging. But it's I think it's just essential to remember that <laughs> when it with all of your work and. And obviously, that doesn't mean that you um, set aside the, the rational messaging or the, or the rational aspects of creative work, but it very much needs to be intertwined, I think, um, and and really keeping in mind what is what is the emotional um, pull uh, beyond yeah. the, the rational. Mm. And do you think that do you think that if we draw if we drew a line, would there be channels just to get the rational message out? And then there's channels to get the the more emotive message out, or do you think they they can be blended? What's your thoughts? Well, I think they very much can be blended. I mean, the classic example that I that I often think of, you know, and we're really going back a long way now, but you know, the the VW advertising of the '60s, the revolutionary stuff. Yeah. When you look at that, you realise. I mean, it's obviously it's brilliantly crafted, but it's it's kind of almost imperceptible how they weave the the rational messaging in with the emotive stuff and that's really the creative challenge isn't it you know you really need to be able to get across these these rational messages but do it in a way um that that doesn't seem like you know it's just a list of bullet points (laughs) or or a list of p-values or whatever Um, (laughs) so i think that's true as to as to the you know the different channels yes i think you know obviously there are some tactics and some channels that lend themselves more to uh to the rational messaging um but but yeah it doesn't have to be either or i don't think mm. and the other thing is that you know and the point that we often make internally at our agency now is that there are a lot of ways in which you can reach um doctors for example or healthcare professionals uh that aren't necessarily the traditional 
farmer channels, for example. So obviously social media, and, and you have to remember that doctors are on social media, you know, as consumers as well. So that it's actually a really, can be a really good way, particularly, you know, the younger ones. Um, those kinds of channels can be really effective for reaching them, not obviously not necessarily as um, product-branded, but, but um, it for, for other types of clients or, or even for disease awareness-type campaigns. Um, yeah, 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 definitely. And then, uh, you know, I mean, you know, we talk about them, but uh, uh, generally the humans we are now, you know, we're searching. They've got a phone in their hand, you know, yeah, they, yeah. They, they Google everything, you know, so yeah. it's... They do everything you would you would do, um, which is which is interesting. And you're, and you're right, you know. And I think you could it, you can get messages out there. And I think it's you know I think we need to sort of build that into our our comms. And I guess you know it all boils down to dollars at the end of the day um, as well. Um, and also, which is what the whole podcast is about, is those battles and about you know how how do we get those things through? I mean, because we were always fighting against. Regulations, like you say, regulations are, are, are a big thing, but we can get around those. And then internal, external, um, th th these these are the battles we have. So, so you know, what do you think, uh, you know, in your experience there, I mean, to get great work out, where, where do you think the battle is? Is it is it internal? Is it is it sort of the client's end? Is it with research or is it is it just just the whole thing altogether? Yeah, pretty much all of the above, <laughs> in my experience. <laughs> uh, and that, you know, obviously that's the challenge. It can really be a, a as you say, it can be a fight to get great work, mm. it, which makes it all the more satisfying when it actually happens and, you know, you get the end result that you want. Um, but if I had to choose, look, certainly I think, I think a great client can make a massive difference. Um, mm. You know, especially in healthcare, and, and and probably even more so in pharma, where with its attendant regulatory considerations, which you've alluded to there, you know, having the client on your side and willing to advocate for your work can just make it feel like so much less of a battle. Um, and I think probably in Australia, obviously it's fairly heavy, heavily regulated here, but from my li fairly limited experience with the US environment, you know, I suspect we actually have it even easier than they do uh, in mm. terms of the, the kind of the layers involved and the bureaucracy. Um, but uh, probably the budgets would help to <laughs> put, help you put yeah. up with that a bit more. Um, but yeah, look, it is probably all of those things. Uh, research can, can, I think research can actually really help. You know, if you, if you have research mm. that backs up um, the rationale for your, for your creative, then then obviously that can you know that can kind of appeal to the to the regulatory people, where where you know you're you're kind of where are saying yeah this is great creative we we reckon it's great, and it'll really appeal to people you know that that sort of subjectivity doesn't necessarily <laughs> fly with people like that, um, so I think as much as possible if if you can arm yourself with uh, with evidence. If, if you like, then then that can that can often win the battle for you with, with medical and regulatory type people. Yeah. So you talked about some really nice things you talked about. I just want to just circle back on the great client comment. What, mm -hmm. in your mind, I mean, what makes a great client? You think? Um. Okay. So I guess in my experience, I'm just I'm, I'm thinking of the ones that we that I've had that you know have been really fantastic to work with and, and have helped us get great work through. 
I think being open-minded, firstly, you know, being mm. open to creative options, not shutting things down, you know, the first time they see them because they don't like the colour or they don't like the, you know, the actor or whatever it is. Um, and being able to, you know, not sort of bring their own subjectivity to it immediately, I think is a, is a huge, um, you know, it's just a huge asset for a, to, you know, a client. Um, mm. And being able to understand that they're not the target audience, I mean, that's obviously a big one <laughs> with so much of what we do. <laughs> um, and so often, you know, we, we have to try and sort of point it out to people that, you know, they're not necessarily the target audience. And, and you know, look, we do it as well, you know, as I, I think as creatives, often, you know, we will, we will think, oh, I don't really like that. But you really need to step back and realise that, um, that it doesn't necessarily matter what you like, <laughs> what you personally like. So that's a big one. Um, then and then, really having being being an advocate for the agency is is a huge part of it as well. You know, being able to to to, to, to not necessarily fight um, internally, but but certainly make the case if they believe mm. strongly in a concept. Then then really trying to protect it um, from from all those kind of diluting influences that can happen. You know, further up the chain or further along the approval process. Um, it just makes it so much easier to, you know, to for your vision to be realised, if you like. Mm. Um, and sometimes, you know, you will have, you know, we will have a say in that. We'll be able to talk to the to the reg people or whatever, but not always. And particularly, you know, if it has to go to to global approval and that kind of stuff, then you'd really just, you know, you you lose control of of the process. Um, and so you really need someone in your corner. And that's and that's what a great client can do, I think. I really love those points there. I think, you know, that's a toolkit for everybody out there that uh, if they're looking for a great client, you know, make sure, you know, I know I know we all, uh, um, well, I don't necessarily pitch, but <laughs> but um, I know when we're pitching out there, you know, they have a scorecard. I think having a scorecard like that for a client is, is, is awesome. I just want to ask the question, though, just about this great client. Um, mm. Is that, you know, and I don't want to be ageist because um, I just, that's, out the window it is is there is that an age thing um because there's two components to that i sort of see there's the trust in you guys and in you and then there's the experience to know about all those things so mm -hmm. to, so that great client is that are they a certain age or they're just they just smart and they get it not definitely not a certain age um, you know, I'm just I'm thinking of a couple of examples of, from my relatively recent experience, and and we had a fantastic client who, I mean, she's younger than us, <laughs> um, and so and not must be and really certainly, young. You know, she 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 was experienced in the sense that she you know she had been in the industry for long enough to, to know how those processes work, and and probably had you know I'm sure she'd been through instances where where work had been watered down and probably had learnt from from that that you know she um she needed or the or the client needed to um to be part of that protective process so no i don't i certainly don't think it's an age thing um uh, to an extent it probably does come from some of that battle hardened experience um but i think really just having yeah that understanding it it's it is quite hard to i think to, for some people to get beyond their own subjectivity, um, mm. you know, even for people who who have um, been in the industry for a long time, so so that's something that maybe is 
maybe is a bit more innate. I don't, I'm not sure. Mm. Yeah. So, and it's that old adage, like, pick your battles. I mean, I've heard that so many times, you know, and I, and I agree with it to an extent. But, you know, like, what battles should we be pick? Should we be picking all these battles? You know, is, is every, I mean, if it's worth, if it's worth fighting for, it's worth fighting for. So where does that, that terminology, you know, pick your battles? Because if you're, like you're saying with that person who's very subjective, always going to be, um, do you always just pick your battles with that person? Like, mm. or is it worth fighting for? Uh, well, I think, I think it's definitely not worth fighting for the sake of being stubborn. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, th- I think if there if there's um, something which isn't going to materially affect you know the the concept or the or the creative output, and it's really sort of a you know a, a bit of a side issue, then then absolutely you know kind of I think there can be a point in letting people win sometimes if that's going to be if otherwise it's going to torpedo the campaign. Um, <clears throat> so yes, I think there is a, a role for um, for picking your battles at times, particularly with people like that, where if they felt if they feel as though they haven't had some kind of input into you know into the work, then they're basically mm. not going to let it through. Then obviously you know there's I think you have to say well okay yeah well that that's that's fine you know we'll take that on board and yeah. um, as long as as long as sort of the core of it is not going to be um, it's not going to be detrimental to that. Do you bring your Do you bring your doctor's card out when 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 you're gonna like yeah when you you know there's my doctor's card uh, comes out when uh, when you when you're fighting through some of these these ideas. Uh, not explicitly, but I, I think my medical background has been helpful at times. Yeah, particularly when, particularly yeah. when you're talking to other people, you know, on the client side, for example, who, who have a healthcare background as well, because it just enables you to, to speak their language a bit more um, and, and to have probably to have a bit more credibility in their eyes, I think. And then, and also, as I, I think I alluded to earlier, it, it sort of gives you that um, evidence base. You know, you can sort of speak about creative even in terms of the evidence for it. And, and I think that's also one of the advantages for me is that I've also done a, a Master of Marketing. And so I've got that, that kind of evidence base to draw on as well. And, and that kind of thing, I think, can sometimes convince people who might not otherwise be convinced. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And I guess, wow, good on you for, for, for doing all that. But I guess, <laughs> I guess yeah, you know, painful. back in it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, tr- you know, a lot, it's a lot of trust, which I've found is it's like trust it's like this trust thing. I really trust you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I trust what you're you're saying. You know, and I trust the agency, or not just the agency. It's 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 the humans around me. You know, I feel that, uh, and that's and that's a lived experience, isn't it? Like you've done something before, and with them or or elsewhere that that they can they can see has worked or they've liked. Um, so it's that sort of that trust is is super important. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. And, and in fact, that was one of the um, traits that I probably should have mentioned for, you know, in a great client, is that they do have, there is a sort of a mutual trust. You know, they trust us um, in what we produce and, and we kind of trust them with taking it further, um, you know, for the, for the, all of, through the approval process and so on. Uh, and it is, it's, sort of, it's almost intangible. You, you just sort of feel it after working with them for a while, that, that there is a sort of a mutual respect 
for each other's mm. um, opinions and work and so on. Um, and and you know and conversely, when you're working with clients where it's not working out so well, there just isn't that. You know, there's a real erosion of trust, and there's sort of a um, I don't know, a, a sort of wariness, <laughs> mm. um, and you just feel it in in the in the way that the work progresses, and and it just doesn't lend itself to to good work, unfortunately. Mm. Is that is that is that sort of um, is this agency type of <clears throat> label <clears throat> that um, that we have, you know, it's this, it's this. Oh, the agency's going to do this. The agency's going to do, you know, they, yeah. Oh, yeah, the typical agency person. Is it? Is it? <laughs> reckon it's that? Is it? Is it that that yeah. sort of causes it? Yeah, look, and and you know, I I can definitely see that stereotype being true in some in some <laughs> cases. Um, but yes, I think that's right, and and it's a, probably a bit of a cliche again to say this, but. Um, there's a real difference between seeing an agency as your supplier and your vendor rather than um, as rather than being a partner in the process to, to producing great mm. work. But again, I think that is pretty much what I've just been talking about. When, when there is that respect, um, that's how it feels. It feels like you are partnering together and you're kind of on that, you know, for, for want of a better word, and there are probably a much better words when you're on that journey, um, mm. It just it feels like you're working towards the same end rather than sort of clashing heads. Yeah. Yeah. I talk. I talk about clashing heads and, and mutual respect. Do you think? Do you think that um, clients have it? I'm just talking about pharma clients at the moment. Yeah. Do you think they have it within their within their systems? Obviously, that you've got your marketing people, then you've got your regs people. Do you think they have mutual respect between between those two sort of? Uh, um, you know, sectors or whatever it is. Mm. Um, <clears throat> look, I've seen both. <laughs> and again, you know, again, uh, this is probably seeing it fairly secondhand, but certainly you can tell when there's, when there is respect between those disciplines, if you like. <clears throat> it just seems to, you know, they're, they're able to compromise rather than sort of, you know, coming back to us, for example, and saying, well, this has to change because, you know, Reg has said it has to change. Um, and, and you can, yeah, it's obvious when when there is respect um, or, or compromise shown um, on both sides, uh, and conversely, it's pretty obvious when there isn't. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. It yeah, goes that, back to that. A, great. It's a very similar. Yeah. It's a similar situation uh, in that <laughs> the work becomes anodyne and compromised when when there isn't respect between them, um, and uh, and vice versa. Yeah, I agree. Discipline was the word I was looking for, right? Thank you for that. Discipline is <laughs> absolutely right. Yeah, it is, it is a bit early in the morning. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. And I think that goes back to that good, good, that great client. That great client probably has a lot of respect within, within those disciplines. And they've got a really <clears throat> good communication platform with, with, within those disciplines as well that, that help, you know, help. They've got the trust as well. So it's not only the trust with, with the agency and yourself, um, it's the trust within the team as well, which all helps to sort of like grease the wheels, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, and in, in many respects, it's it's sort of a, I guess it's people skills, really. <laughs> in a lot of these cases, yeah. it's 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 managing the relationships as much as it is, you know, the work itself. Um, and that's what, as you say, allows allows the work to be um, to, uh, to get through. Yeah. Yeah. 
Talking about the work getting through, what's what's the sort of a, is it, have you got a, an example of a piece of work that you or your team has sort of done that that was like you've really battled hard and you've got through and you've won, or you know it just hasn't got through and it's just been a fight and it just it just got mm. compromised, or have you got an example of that? Well, there have definitely been many where it did, didn't get through, or certainly didn't get through in the in the way that we hoped it would. I don't, I can't think of a specific example at the moment, but but yeah. on the on the flip side, uh, yeah, there was so there's a relatively recent campaign that we did uh, for a farmer client. Uh, I can't sort of give you the details of it, obviously, because you know the deal with no, no worries products. Um, but it was a consumer campaign, funnily enough, uh, for a, for a New Zealand product because I think you, you probably know that in New Zealand they can actually advertise uh, farmer products to consumers, which is very unusual. Yeah. Um, so it's really just uh, well in the in the, well in the um, geographies that I've worked for, it's really only the states and New Zealand that can do that. So that was really nice actually to have that opportunity because you know we sell it and we don't really get to. Um, do work for consumers very often. Uh, but mm. to answer your question, uh, so essentially what had happened was that they had a global campaign, global consumer campaign uh, that had come from the States, but it wasn't um, deemed to be suitable for the local market because um, they have this uh, clause within their regulations there that you can't be seen to be fear-mongering to the public. And the campaign that, that um, had come from global was, was quite sort of shocking <laughs> visually. So they basically decided that they couldn't run with it, <coughs> which is why they had um, they engaged us to, to do this campaign. And so what we decided to do was to come at it from a sort of a metaphorical angle. We used um, an animated character to represent the, the mm-hmm. disease um, to make it sort of a bit more light-hearted uh, and not so uh, graphic and, and explicit. Um, but you can, as you can imagine, that kind of approach is quite confronting for a, for a farmer regulatory environment. Um, you know, the idea of, of using a sort of a, you know, a semi-comedic animated character for a serious farmer product is, you know, <laughs> can be a bit hard to get through. And, yeah, and, the, and so the short answer to it is that we never would have got it through. It would not have happened if the client had not fought for us and fought for the work. Um, and it, mm. we, we, as much as kind of it felt like it was, it was all fairly smooth sailing from our end. We we know that behind the scenes, it must have been quite a battle, um, mm. and just sort of some of you know some of the things that we sort of heard was we got, well yeah look, I'm just uh, just in discussions with a few people, so we'll get back to you in a couple of weeks. And you know it was clearly it was clear that it had been something that they were the regulatory people were a bit worried about. Um, and yeah, so in the end, the battle was won, um, but but really not by us. It was by the client, and and we have to give a lot of credit to the client for that, um, because they you know they did really fight for it, and they saw the they saw the value in the idea and, and the approach, um, and so essentially yeah, the campaign went through and and sort of was pretty much as we envisioned it, envisioned it in the beginning. Um, so it was great. It was really I mean it's just a great sort of experience <laughs> and so yeah. refreshing that it, that it had um, worked out that way. That's, fast, that's fantastic. So if we were to just like get ourselves behind the wall, I wonder what kind of <laughs> things that they were having to fight for. Um, 
what do you think was the main the main problem was it that sort of like that character sort of like it's almost yeah would would they have said oh this is trivializing it exactly. or something yeah but, i think that's yeah. exactly what would have happened i think it was potentially seen you know it was it might be seen to be flippant um uh and and that's what the that's what they were concerned about as it happened i think i think they had one or two complaints <laughs> to the regulatory body right. but but nothing that you know that was going to affect the campaign or you know they didn't have to pull it or anything like that Right, um, so well, that's overall, good. It's been, yeah, it's been really successful. But I, yes, I think that was the concern: was that it had gone, you know, potentially would had would have gone too far away from, um, from representing the the condition in a realistic way to representing it in 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 an unrealistic way that was that was just too lighthearted. But I think we kind of, so, you know, we made, we we were fairly careful to to tread that fine line between being trivial and. Um, and, and still sort of conveying the seriousness of the of the condition. So yeah, I guess you have but to rely was, on the you know <laughs> maybe that re- yeah that. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you have to rely on the you know the like you say the 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 insights that you've got or the research that you, that you had. I was wondering what the client if the client had any of that. Look, you yes. know that the global the fear mongering is not right. Um, you know, it's do they have any do they have any sort of research? I mean, I talk about. Can have this creative war room. I talk about weaponry. What sort of weaponry did the client have, um, or did you give the client yeah. to say, "Hey, this is this is a reason for this"? What sort of weaponry yeah. did you give them? Yeah, that's a very very good question, and probably something I should have mentioned was that yes, they did have market research, and they had very very clear market research about the kind of messaging that people would respond to, and um, not so much. It's sort of the, you know the key messages, I suppose, the, the kinds of messages that would resonate, um, and also the and I think they had also tested <coughs> the global concept as well um, with with a with a local audience, and it had it come across exactly that way that it was yet it was too confronting, and so obviously and the and the our client used that research very much um, as a weapon. <laughs> You know, mm. in their arguments, I know, and even and even in their discussions with us, every time that we we you know it, you know when we presented our initial concepts, they always came back to that research and said, well, you know, this is why this is going to work for this reason, and so we really didn't have to provide a lot of that um, armamentarium, if you like, um, it was there. We we sort of obviously you know we sort of decided how we were going to approach that in, in a creative way. And then they sort of already had that evidence there to, to say to um, to the to the approvers, well, this is what the evidence says. This is why we need to go down this route. Um, and yeah, and so and so it was. That's that's the difference, isn't it? it you know, when you do have yeah. that weaponry, <laughs> it just makes the argument a lot easier. Yeah, totally. And it and it, was it um, is it in the process now? What's been and been and gone? And it, was it was it a successful? Yeah, it's still in market actually. Um, awesome. Just, I think just been renewed for another year. So I think yeah, it's just been running for a year. Um, wow. Yeah, still out there and still running and still yeah, it's been very successful from from what we've heard. So yeah, it's been a bit of a success story, which is you know as you know they aren't always. <laughs> no, no, but that's that's great that it's got through. You know, and the client must feel pretty good about that as well. You know, and it, and it's yeah. When those things do work work out, it it shows you know it's worth fighting for. It's worth getting 
preparing, you know, you know, knowing knowing what some of the curly questions are going to come back, having that armory, you know, and you yeah. guys obviously did your homework. Yeah, and they also, uh, to the other thing that I think the client did very well is that they did a little internal launch of the campaign before it actually ran, um, you know, and sort of showed showed the, the various assets and stuff and had little, you know, little mascot, the little mascot on people's desks and just sort of the little things like that that sort of felt, you know, I think made everyone involved feel that they had been part of the process and, you know, it wasn't a shock when it, when it came out. Um, just, yeah, really clever sort of approach to the whole process. That's nice. That's a nice way of bringing everybody on board, isn't it? Mm. I think that's, that's yep. super important, super important going back to our conversations about the disciplines within an agency, uh, sorry, within a, within a, within a client's organisation, you know, making sure that people feel a part of it and um, they're heard and they feel feel really good about it. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's just crucial, isn't it? And it's actually something that's come up a few times recently for us. And, and you know, even internally within the agency, I think that's really important as well. If you sort of spring, spring something on people as a finished product, it's, it, it's just a lot harder to... <laughs> To get them on board, um, you know, whereas yeah. if they feel as though they've been involved in the process, even if it's, you know, even if it's literally just been in the room rather than actually contributing to it necessarily, I think it just makes makes that, that final presentation or the reveal or whatever um, a lot easier to take and a, and a lot easier to, to, um, to, to get through. And that could go wrong as well, Ryan, right? It could go completely, it could really fuck up. <laughs> as well like if you kind of open the doors up to everybody every man and his dog um and parrot and whatever else we got um you know it can that can be a real and if you haven't got a good strong captain at the helm or captainess whatever you know you need you need to have that person there to really kind of navigate that yeah look i mean that's a very good point of course um and i've never been a big fan of kind of big open brainstorms um no but there is a place i think uh for involving people in the process but yeah as you say it has to be i think there has to it has to be really structured and there has to be someone as you say steering the ship um otherwise it can go off course very quickly um yeah so yeah look it's a really fine line and i guess that's the that's the art in that yeah and i think having a tight a tight brief, even on those things like, you know, this is what we want from you. Yes. You know, yes. we don't, what we don't, what we do want and what we don't want. So I think that's, that's you know, that's the important, I guess, part of this. Yeah, setting, setting the ground rules is, uh, is absolutely critical, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, but as you know, you know, I mean, sometimes these things get thrown out by, by, the, by the circumstances, um, by the fact that you've, you know, maybe you've only got a week or whatever and you know meetings are, are scheduled hurriedly and uh, i mean things can can go off course pretty quickly um yeah yeah when it works obviously it, wo- it can work really well so you've you've just spoken about a few things um you know obviously you know doing a bit of making sure that the we've got some evidence behind our uh, behind you um bringing out you know your experience as a as a as a doctor or the you know a serious you know that serious side of it and what other kind of like weaponry do you use in in a help to sort of get reduce those conflicts or help help win these battles well as i say i think i think along with the 
the medical side of it, there's also the marketing um, side. Uh, you know, I'm, I've kind of been quite a student of marketing. Obviously, you know, I was literally a student of marketing, but that's going back about 10 or 11 years. But then I've, I've kind of stayed in touch with the marketing industry pretty closely, <clears throat> as, you, as you probably know, through, through Twitter and LinkedIn and so on. So I've yep. built up quite a, quite a network of people within marketing and, and people who I really respect. And even sort of using, you know, Byron Sharp's work, um, you know, that sort of the newer marketing mm. evidence, that kind of thing I think can be really helpful in discussions with, with both internally and with clients. Um, to try to, you know, to bring a bit of objectivity to what otherwise can be very subjective. Um, yeah, other than that, look, I'm... Uh, my colleagues are, are a huge weapon, if you like. <laughs> not a weapon in that sense, yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, for a start, I'm a big believer in that, in that kind of traditional copywriter, art director partnership, and, and I work very closely with our designers and, and art directors, um, and and it is very much that you know that two way collaborative relationship where where you know sometimes yeah. they'll come up with the copy and I'll sort of come up with an idea for a visual or whatever, um, or we work together on scripts and you know we were literally doing it yesterday, um, so so I think that's really important. But then of course you know the roles the other roles within the agency. So um, our director of strategy Candice is a crucial part of you know our pitches and so on. Um, mm. And really, sort of sets the scene for for the creative, um, and and brings that I think that really robust kind of um, evidence uh, to that that I think sets up, you know, the the more the more subjective stuff I suppose, um, um, but sets a real platform for it. And then and then obviously you know account management as we've just been talking about there with with steering the ship. Obviously, that's a huge part of it as well. So so that's. I couldn't fight these battles without those people. Um, right on. Yeah, and then and probably just my irresistible charm or something. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. The nice, the, the yeah, the, the smile. Yeah, you know. exactly. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, look, that's great, you know, and I think having every having all that, that weaponry and everybody kind of like heading in the right direction, those arrows kind of, facing the right way yeah. you know it does sort of it, it really helps it really really does help um get great work up um and now we're coming right to the end now we're pretty much there and and i always like to ask um my guests you know because we're talking about the, the war uh what's your sort of battle cry do you have one at all or you know what would it be <laughs> if you did have one you know uh i can't say i do have one. i don't sort of walk into meetings Bellowing at war cry, um, but I think, <laughs> wearing, yes, wearing having, some having, sort of like you know animal fur. Yeah, war paint. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I don't. But look, if I did, I'd probably say it'd be something like um, create with care, but let go with indifference. Which I think I, nice. I probably bastardised that from <laughs> from from something that I've heard. But I think it really, I think it's just essential for people in creative industries because, as you know. There are lots of disappointments, you know, with pitches or with, you know, work that doesn't get up or whatever. Um, it's just inevitable that a lot of your darlings will be killed. <laughs> um, and, and you know, I think it's really important to invest yourself in the creative process but then to, to not sort of be too disheartened when, um, when, when things don't necessarily get through or they're not successful. 
Um, so you really need to just sort of let go and move on to the next. Totally. That's a, that's an awesome um, that's an awesome battle cry, and I'll I'll I'll, I'll keep that one. Um, yeah. So hopefully we can get these battle cries out onto <laughs> onto the website or, or wherever. You're the first um, person on the on the actual official Creative War Room. We've been doing one for New York Festival's Health. Um, oh, this is the first okay. official one. So wow. first official one. Honest. This is great. I'm honoured. Thanks. <laughs> well, thank you for your time. Eh? It's been so great to talk to you, and um, we've had some great insights there for, for everybody um, to help build a really fighting chance at, at winning, you know, and um, to get great. So I really appreciate your time, and um, oh, thank you I'm so sure much, you've done lots of. Yeah, no worries. Well, go out, go out today and create with care and, um, <laughs> and let go. And uh, thanks so much, Ryan. Really appreciate it. Okay, thanks a lot, Toby. Cheers.